0: Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. Well, good morning. Good morning. It's still morning here for a few more minutes. We're glad that you're here today. Everybody doing okay? You doing all right? All right. Did you get a good night's sleep last night? You, you, you woke up this morning, you got some coffee or some breakfast, or who knows, you, are, you might already got yard work done. You're here at the second service, you got production stuff, right? So hey, we're glad you're here. You sound great uh, this morning. I was telling those in our 915 service, what just, uh, for me, what a joy it is when we gather together and I hear worship fill this room, because for those that don't know, this room used to be a Sears. And you could buy a refrigerator right over there and a microwave somewhere right in here and lawn equipment right back over there. And I remember walking through this space the first time that we thought it might turn into a space for us. When the, the first, I mean, I'd walked through it before, but when I, the first time that I really thought, hey, there's a chance that this is a place God could use for us to fill with worship in some form, we didn't really know all that it would be. But I remember in my, in my soul, in, in my mind's ear, I don't know how you want to say that, but like I remember just kind of feeling like what that could sound like to fill this space with worship. And so anytime we're gathered together in this space and we're worshiping and we're singing and we're filling this room with worship to God, man, it just does something to me. And so thanks to those of you that are here today. We never take it for granted that you choose to spend part of your Sunday with us. And welcome to those of you that are watching online today. You couldn't be here, whether you uh, can never be here, or maybe you're here on a regular basis, but couldn't be here today. I'm so thankful that you've chosen to invite us into your home or your place of work or you're watching us on a phone, driving to the beach or something crazy, but we're glad that you're here with us as well. Hey, you heard it just a second ago, Brittany shared it, but next week is water baptism and we would love for you to be a part of that day. It's a special day of celebration for us to celebrate with you about what God is doing in your heart and in your life, what God has done. We don't believe that water baptism saves you. We just believe that water baptism is this public expression of what God has done privately in your heart and in your life And so we would love the chance just to honor that work of God in your life and celebrate with you. So you can go to g.church, click on the events tab, go in your church center app and register to be a part of water baptism next week. It'd be our greatest honor to celebrate with you for that event. It's going to be a really great day. Today, we kick off a two-week series on the Holy Spirit. And uh, next week is what we call Pentecost Sunday, which is this reflection and celebration of really the day of Pentecost and the work of God uh, there in Acts chapter 2 in the Bible. And so this series hits at the right time for us in the calendar year, but we're going to spend two weeks just talking about the Holy Spirit. And I've got really high hopes for what God may do and what God may speak into us and in through us over these two weeks. So I encourage you maybe over the next two weeks to kind of take some notes and, and really allow God to speak to you and maybe write in the margin. Of your Bible, or take some notes on your phone if you, uh, whatever way that you are reading God's Word together when we gather in this place. But we're going to look at the Holy Spirit for the next two weeks. And some of you, when you hear Holy Spirit, you grew up in a similar, you know, fashion to me. Maybe you, I was born on a Tuesday and I was in church on Sunday. And I've pretty much been in church every Sunday since, right? That's kind of my context. Doesn't mean I've, you know, like never made a mistake or I I mean, I've had some seasons in my life, but I was in church. My family went to church. We were in church every time, just about the doors were open. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, revivals, youth services, uh, you know, barbecue dinners and family dinners and church homecomings. I mean, we were always in the church. So we were in a context where I, heard about the Holy Spirit, experienced the Holy Spirit in a lot of different forms, and so some of you, you have that same context. Others of you, you don't have that context. You just came to the church or came back to the church after maybe a long period of time away from the church, or you've never been in a church where they really talked about the Holy Spirit in in, in, uh, much information or much detail, and so I I encourage you to really kind of lean in whatever way you approach this topic. Lean in and allow the, the Spirit of God to really speak to us over these two weeks, but I wanted to tell you a story a little bit out of my context to kind of set up this subject. When I was in like late adolescence, kind of like, you know, coming out of grade school, going into my teen years, I was in a church service one Sunday night and uh, the pastor was preaching and, And as he was preaching, he came to the close of his message. He came to this point where in in our context in church, he he opened the altars, right? He invited people to come to the front, to the place in front of the stage uh, for prayer. And so the altar is a place that it kind of harkens back to the tabernacle of the Old Testament, the temple really of the New Testament, where there was this meeting place of the presence of God. And so when they began constructing church buildings, uh, they began to create open space near the front of the church or near the platform or whatever uh, so that you could come for prayer, come and meet with the presence of God and seek something from God. We offer a similar experience at the end of our services where you can come down front here on the two sides and you can pray with some of our elder couples and, and really seek from God what it is that you're needing from him. And so we offer a very similar experience. And so on that Sunday night, The the pastor had been preaching about the Holy Spirit and he had been preaching about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about that in just a minute for a a little bit, but we're going to spend a lot of time on that next Sunday. And so he said at the end of his sermon, he said, if you would like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you want more of the fullness of God's presence in your life and to be used by God in really amazing ways, I invite you to come to the altar for prayer. And so in my heart, that's what I wanted. And so I got up and I walked to the front of the church for prayer. And as I came down front, I was a, I was a young guy. And, and as I came down front, I immediately was surrounded by some of the older saints of our church. Some of the older men and women who saw a young man that really just wanted more of God. And so they came to pray with me and to pray for me for the things that I was asking God to do. And so as I was standing there, I was trying to listen to the instruction of the pastor as he told us to, you know, how to pray and what to pray for and what to say. And then he just said, hey, you know, you pray and ask God for whatever it is that you're seeking from him. And so that's what I began to do. And and these older saints were surrounding me. And on on this side, I had this little old lady, just whatever you picture, that was her. And on this side, I had this little old man and whatever you picture, that was him. And so they were helping me to pray, to seek God for what I was trying to ask God to do. And I kid you not, if you grew up in a similar context or a similar fashion to me, you're going to think I'm making this up because it's almost become a cliche in the stories of of you know kind of the older charismatic churches. But I promise you, this was my experience. This is what happened that night, okay? And so I'm standing there praying and the little old lady says to me, just lift your hands to the Lord. And so I lifted my hands and I raised them up. And then she began to say, as she prayed and he prayed, they started praying louder and louder. I, I think they might have been trying to out pray one another. And so I started listening to them more than I was actually talking to God. And so I'm praying and I'm listening and I'm, you know, kind, you know, kind of, doing the half eye side, like I'm listening and I'm watching them. And, and so she began to give me these like exhortations of what to say. And so my hands are lifted and she said something like this. She said, you just got to let go. You just got to let go and trust that God's about to do what God's going to, just let God do what God's going to do. And so I, I remember I was letting go. I was just opening, let go. I'm letting go. And at the same time, this little old man is saying, you just, you just got to hold on. You got to hold on. God's about to do it in your life. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm okay. I'm holding on. I'm holding on to what God is going and let go. And I'm, I'm letting go and I'm, I'm holding on. And I, at this point, I'm really confused because I'm letting go and holding on at the same time. And I'm. I don't know what God's about to let hold of. I couldn't really figure it out. And, and so I, I remember just being a little bit confused as I was praying that night. And here's the reason I tell you that story. I tell you that story not to make fun of those unbelievable men and women that helped to shape my faith. I tell you that story because over the next two weeks, some of us need to let go of some things that we know or we think we know about the Holy Spirit. Some misunderstandings and misguided ideas and some bad experiences in the church or with someone individually. And some of us, we need to hold on to some things that we experienced, hold on to some things we were taught, hold on to some things that don't seem, you know, in this stage of our life, like maybe they're as true as maybe we thought or experienced when we were younger. We need to hold on to those things and not let go of them because they shaped who we are. So over these two weeks, I encourage you maybe to let go of some things and hold on to some other things, but really genuinely ask God to help speak into your heart and speak into your life from His Word what He would have you to understand about the Holy Spirit. We're going to do this for two weeks, and today I've, I've been really kind of over the last few weeks just pointing towards today. I want to speak to you on a topic that I've just called the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. Now, when I say that, maybe you think, yeah, absolutely, he's God. I mean, I know that. And others of you, you're like, well, I'm not really sure what that even means and what you might be describing for me. Well, I want to walk you through a few passages of scripture. And again, these will be up on the screen, but I encourage you to take some notes so that you can maybe come back and and reference this for yourself or study this even deeper for yourself in the days ahead. But the first thing that I want you to know is that the Holy Spirit is God, but right, I believe that the Holy Spirit is not just some figment out there, some uh, ethereal kind of being and something in the cosmos. Like I believe that the Holy Spirit is God. Joel chapter 2 verses 28 and 29 say this. This is the prophet Joel speaking in the Old Testament. And afterward I will pour out my spirit on all the people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Now, there's two things that I want you to notice right here about this passage from the prophet Joel. This is God speaking through the prophet. This was the the mouthpiece for God to his people in this season of the history of the children of Israel. And so God is speaking, God is proclaiming through the prophet, and he says, I'm going to pour out my spirit. So as God is speaking, he is proclaiming something about the spirit. He's giving you the spirit's identity. The spirit is God. I'm going to pour out my spirit. The second thing that I want you to notice there, if you're reading, is that spirit in your Bible, I think all of our text is capital, in your Bible, whatever translation you're reading, the word spirit is capitalized. Well, I remember from English class that a capital word meant that it was a noun. It was something specific, something direct. It was a person, place, or thing. We're talking about someone. My spirit. The Holy Spirit of God. And I think that's important for us to start here because for all of us, if we want to more fully understand who the Holy Spirit is, we need to recognize that the Holy Spirit is not a what. It is a who. It is God, we also see this in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. This is a part of the creation story. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image and our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. If you notice right there in the very first verse that we read, it says, let us make mankind. This is God speaking. Let us, us is plural. So who is God talking to? God is talking to himself. Let us, let God in plural form here, God, the father, God, the son, God, the spirit, let us make mankind in our own likeness. Now, this is usually the place when I'm teaching on this where I kind of lose people. They're like, we got it. You know, a little eye roll here or there. It's like, I've heard this. I get it. Okay, so let us. Okay, it's God. God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. Okay, then I got it. That's that's what, but I think if we dig in here, we recognize that there is something specific for all of us to learn. This is the place that is really the first picture of the Trinity. Here at Generations Church, we believe in the Trinity. Now, what you need to know about the word Trinity is it is found nowhere in the Bible. So what we're talking about is putting a word to something that we believe is spelled out in Scripture. Trinity means this three-part, this triune God. They are co-equal to one another. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So when we talk about the Trinity, we're talking about these expressions of of God. Now, again, maybe I'm just telling on myself, maybe these two weeks I'm just working through some stuff from when I grew up. But I had this thought when I was younger, and, and maybe maybe you had something very similar, that like there was this like org chart. There was this hierarchy to God. Right? God the Father was like the CEO, right? I mean he's the one, he was the executive. He kind of made all the decisions. Like it's his story, it's his company, right? And Jesus was like the CFO. Like, I don't know why he's the finance guy, but like, he's just kind of the next one in charge. Like if the CEO cannot fulfill his duties, you know, the second runner up, I don't know. So like Jesus kind of steps into that role if necessary. And the Holy Spirit's like the COO. He's just kind of doing all the operations. He's just kind of making sure everything functions in the way that it's supposed to function perhaps. And so I had this picture in my head of like this, this hierarchy, this org chart perhaps, but that's an incomplete picture of what we're talking about. I think the greatest example I've ever seen of, of God and the Trinity is the image of water, right? I've got a bottle of water here. I was drinking it just a second ago, and, and so this is liquid, right? So this is water. You can open it up. You can drink it. You can use it for a lot of purposes. It's water. But if I were to take this bottle, there's a refrigerator right behind that door, and I were to put this bottle or the substance within this bottle into the freezer part of that refrigerator, what would it do? It would freeze, Right? And so this is just another expression of the same substance. But if I were to take the same water and pour it into a pot and put it over heat, it would turn into steam. This vapor is still water. It's just another expression of the same substance. This is what we're talking about here when we talk about God. We're talking about these various expressions of the way that God chooses to reveal himself to us. And so when we talk about God, we are talking about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so to me, what that does is it just reminds me that I think we need to come back to a greater sense of reverence for God. So often as I look around, and this is not just in our present day, we've we've been headed this way for a long time, I think there's just a lack of reverence in God. A lack of reverence for God. I remember when I was a teenager, and it it continues even today, to watching people win awards and watching people be recognized for work that was completely against the character and nature of God, and yet they, right out of their same mouth, would just honor God and thank God. And I I don't judge that, but I kind of judge the fruit to go, "I I don't really know, like, does that jive? Is that the same? It's just like we just stamp God's name on whatever it is that we're doing, And we've lost the sense of reverence of who God is. I I remember seeing some t-shirts and hats, and maybe there's other expressions of this now, a few years back now, that said, like, Jesus is my homeboy. Jesus ain't your homeboy. Jesus is your savior. There's a sacredness to that. There should be a reverence to the completed work of Jesus on the cross. And then when I think about the fact that the Holy Spirit is God, it causes me not to just relegate the Holy Spirit to weird churches, It causes me to recognize that the Holy Spirit of God is the personal expression that God chose to reveal himself to us today. I don't have the benefit of walking down the road like the disciples did with Jesus. And yet Jesus, which we're gonna talk about in a second, said that the Holy Spirit would come and I would have access to God through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. It should cause me to have a reverence for who God is. The second thing that I see here about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is a he. The Holy Spirit is He, John chapter 14, verse 16 says this, I will ask the father and he will give you another helper so that he may be with you forever. John 14, 26 says, but when the father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything that I've told you. This is Jesus speaking here in both places. And Jesus is describing for his disciples what I just said. Listen, I got to go. I'm leaving. I'm going to be crucified. They're going to put me in a tomb. I'm going to resurrect. I'm going to ascend to the Father. And the disciples, much like I think I would have reacted, were like, whoa, hold on. Can you wait? Just can you, We don't have this all figured out yet, right? And we kind of see them do that through the book of Acts and later in the New Testament. And Jesus is like, no, no, listen. It's better that I go so that I can pray to the Father and he can send a helper. He can send the advocate. The word here is paraclete. He can send someone, another someone to you in another expression so that he can be with you. Now, it's important to recognize that in both of these uh, verses that we just read, in neither place is the word he in the original language. It's just the masculine expression of the phrase that's there, that he may be with you, that he will be with you, that he will remind you, that he will teach you. So it's the masculine expression. But I'm not talking about masculine here. I'm talking about personal. What I'm referencing here is that the Holy Spirit isn't an it. right? The Holy Spirit is not a person. Now, what we just said is that God in the various expressions, in the various forms that he reveals himself to us, we have God in the creation story, let us make man. And then we see that through the law of the Old Testament, we recognize our inability to keep the law and through the grace of God and the expression of the embodiment of Jesus Christ in the Gospels, we see God in human form through Jesus. And so now as we come to this place where the Holy Spirit is revealed to us, We recognize that the Holy Spirit is not the physical manifestation of God. That was Jesus, but he is still personal to us. The Holy Spirit is not a person, but he's personal. You and I have access to a personal relationship and a personal interaction with God through the Holy Spirit. So it's not an it. He is a he. He's a person. He he is a personal relationship opportunity to have access to God. I think sometimes when we heard the words "the Holy Ghost," I remember when again I'm, I'm working through some stuff. Y'all just got to pray for me. I remember when I was a kid, they would talk about the good old Holy Ghost, and I was like, oh, "Ghost scare me! I don't want the Holy Ghost if the ghosts are like the other ghosts that I'm aware of in the movies." You no, know? but I think sometimes what happens is calling you know calling the Holy Spirit the Holy Ghost or even the Holy Spirit makes Him impersonal. But there's personal access, Holy Spirit, God the Father, God the Son. And God the Spirit. The next thing that I want us to see here is that the Holy Spirit is eternal. Now, perhaps when I said that the Holy Spirit is God, you got this part. You figured it out. You're like, I got it. I'm I'm locked in. But I think it's important for us to look to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Very first book of the Bible, very first chapter, very first verse, it says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So again. Perhaps you've never had this thought. But what made sense in my mind was that God, the Father, had creation and the Old Testament. And he was the God of justice and vengeance and Noah and the Ark and Sodom and Gomorrah and the establishment of the children of Israel and all of these things. And so, like, God's got the Old Testament. And Jesus shows up in the book of Matthew and is like, okay, I got this, Dad. Thank you so much. I'm going to walk around for 33 years. I'm going to do some ministry, some miracles. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to go to the cross, go to the tomb. I'll be back soon. And then at the end of the Gospels, the Holy Spirit shows up in Acts and is like, I got it now. It's mine. For the the next season of history, I've got this. But what we see right here is the picture of God from the very first chapter of the very first book of the, the very first verses of Scripture, the Spirit of God was present. God is eternal. God is present from the beginning. And so what we see here is the Ruach Elohim, this, this breath of God, this spirit of God was hovering over the formless nothingness that was the, the earth, that was the heavens and the earth before the creative work of God. The spirit of God was present. He is eternal. And then you go to the New Testament and you see that John 14, which we read just a minute ago, verses 16 and 17, say, and Jesus says, I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and he will be with you forever. Yesterday, today, forever, there is an eternal aspect to the Holy Spirit. And that brings me great comfort because if the Holy Spirit is my helper, if the Holy Spirit is my advocate, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'll raise my hand for all of us. Anybody need a little help? Anybody need to help figuring some stuff out as it relates to how we live and how we conduct our lives and the things that we do? No, what scripture tells us is that there's this eternal nature of the Holy Spirit of God. He's got some context I don't have. According to Isaiah, his ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And while I'm in the midst of all my stuff trying to figure out how to do it and make it, and all, there's this incredible presence, this personal aspect of a relationship with God through the power of the Holy Spirit, and he is eternal. He's got a perspective that I do not have, and for that, I'm thankful. And the final thing that I see that I think is important for us today is that the Holy Spirit is active. The Holy Spirit is active. John chapter 16, verses 7 through 8, and then jumping to 13 say this. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. This is Jesus talking now. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. And if I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sins and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. And when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare it to you, the things that are to come. There's several things that I see here that the Holy Spirit is active doing here, according to these scriptures. I think the first of them is conviction. Conviction. The Holy Spirit convicts. So when you're trying to figure out, like, should I do that? And you feel that still small voice on the inside of you that says, no, you should not do that. That's the Holy Spirit. That's conviction. Conviction. That, that idea that like I was created for more than what I'm in right now. I, I, was, I, I should not be bound by this addiction. I should not be locked into this relationship. There's a conviction that compels me to chase more of God's favor in my life. And so when I look at that, there's conviction that draws me on the big red wall in the lobby and what we say on a pretty regular basis around here is that it's about determining which way my arrow is pointed. It's about saying, I'm going to point my arrow towards Jesus Christ. I'm going to point my arrow in the direction of all that God is writing in my story. And there may be days when I'm more successful than others, but I'm ultimately just going to keep chasing after and pursuing after. And that conviction inside of me is the thing that keeps me on track. And the more that I feel like, no, I should not go there. No, I should not go hang out with those people. No, I should not make that decision. No, I should not do these things. That is the thing that keeps me moving towards God. That's the Spirit of God. James tells us that the Spirit of God jealously desires the Spirit that He placed inside of you. There's this almost magnetic force that the Spirit of God is drawn to the Spirit that's inside of you and He's pulling you towards Himself. But you and I have free will. We have the choice to go, no, I don't want to do that. I'm going to point my arrow in another direction and chase whatever it is that I want to do. And you have that right to do that. But the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the active work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, is something that we still have access to. Another thing that we see here in John chapter 16 is I believe that he teaches us. It says that when the spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. Man, in this present day and age there's so much of a battle for what is truth. Yes. And I think what we see here when we look at this is the Holy Spirit is that thing inside of you. It's that voice inside of you. It says this is right. This is true. Scripture tells us to think on the things that are true and righteous and noble. And, and, and when we do those things, man, we just, we go, yeah, this is the Spirit of God at work in me. The Spirit of God is not swayed by the culture. It's not swayed by the news cycle. It's not swayed by the posts on social media. I'm chasing after truth, and the Holy Spirit leads me to that place. There's an active work of God in my life. And then the third thing that I see in this passage of Scripture is that the Holy Spirit is active in, in prophesying. We're going to talk more about prophecy next week. And I know some of you are like, well, I'm definitely not coming next week. You need to come next week. You need to be here for that. But he says, "Whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come." This is not like reading the cards. This is not just going, "Hey, I see which way the winds blow in here." This is the empowerment of the Spirit of God to foretell things that are not yet. We see a lot of that take place in scripture. But we also recognize that the Spirit of God, never contradicting the Word of God, the Spirit of God can confirm some things and proclaim some things that help give us guidance in the ways that we should live. And we see that the Holy Spirit works in that way through our lives, declaring the things that are to come. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3 says, No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. We talked earlier about Conviction. But you cannot even confess that Jesus is Lord except by a work of the Holy Spirit in your heart and your life. And when we come to that place, when we do every single time that we gather, we say, hey, if you recognize that you're a sinner in need of a savior, when something rises up in you and says, that's me, that's me. I'm joining with the fellowship of Romans chapter three, verse 23, that says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Like that's me. I want to declare that Jesus is Lord, not just over the earth, but Jesus is Lord over my life. You are doing the work of the Holy Spirit inside of you. I'm declaring that Jesus is Lord. It's the salvation work. And 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 and 18 say this, for the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into his glorious image. The two things that I see here is freedom. I referenced it just a minute ago. Wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is the spirit of the Lord here. And if you need freedom today, it's available to you. Wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. You can find freedom today. You don't have to be bound up by the things that have been binding you up for a long period of time. You can actually have the confidence and boldness of the power of God at work in you to get out of some things, to step away from some relationships, to walk back some decisions that you have made because there's freedom available to you. That's the destiny. That's the purpose that God desires for your life, that you would live free and victorious in him. But I think also it says here that we would be shaped more and more, changed more and more into his image. There's a development process. The spirit of God continues to work out in my heart and in my life as I pursue him. And so the spirit of God is active, I believe it. And so the question we come to in a moment like this, after all of these things, some of which you may believe wholeheartedly and some of them may be new thoughts to you today. Some of them you may completely disagree with. I encourage you to come back next week, kind of part two, let's see where all this resolves some. But as we kind of lay all this out before us, I believe the question for all of us today is this simple prayer, this simple question to God. God, what is it that you want me to know about your spirit? God, what is it that you desire for me to know? Next week, we're gonna talk about the experience a little bit. God, what would you have me to know <clears throat> about your spirit? Because I believe that the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit is God. And the Holy Spirit is personal. Personal. And the Holy Spirit is eternal and the Holy Spirit is active. God, which one of those do I get hung up on? Which one of those do I disagree with? Which one am I not sure about? God, what do you want me to know about your spirit this week? A few years ago, I was in a service, in a church service. I was listening to a man preach, a man I respect, a man I trust, a man that I would call a, a friend, a colleague. And after the service, he he told a story in that message. After the service, I I called to have a copy of the transcript of the sermon sent to me so that I could read it to make sure that what I'd heard was actually what he said. They sent it to me. And then I had the opportunity not too long after that to to talk to this this preacher and say, hey, this is what I heard you say. Is it true? He said, listen, I called him on the phone and it's 100% true. I want to tell you that story today. Several years ago, a number of years ago now, There was a pastor by the name of E.J. Reynolds who was pastoring in Alabama City, Alabama. I had somebody after the first service say, I heard that story like 30 years ago, 40 years ago. E.J. Reynolds was pastoring in Alabama City, Alabama. He and his wife, God-loving, God-fearing people, raising a family. They had a daughter named Rhonda. Rhonda, like teenagers tend to do, started making some decisions that her parents didn't agree with, started hanging out with some people her parents didn't really care for. And so as it came closer and closer to the time of Rhonda's graduation, she told her parents that she was raising some money and she was going to go with her friends to just hang out in Europe for three weeks. It made her parents very nervous that she would be that far away, that she would be going with this group of friends. This was in the days before cell phones and really really even email access. They, They weren't sure how they would get connected to her if they needed her. And so they were super nervous, but she was at the age where she could make some decisions on her own. And so they prayed that the Lord would protect her and keep her and bring her back home safely. And so the time came, she had gotten all the money she needed. Her and her friends, they left for Europe. And they were gone the first week and they never heard from her at all. And they were nervous, but they thought, okay, she'll definitely call at some point after this first week or maybe in this second week. And second week came and went and they never heard from her. And they started to get very nervous, but they thought, you know what? She'll be home next week, it's okay. And they just continued to pray. God protect her, God keep her. God bring her back to us safely. The day of her arrival home, there was such a sense of anticipation. They couldn't wait to see her and hear from her and see, hear how the trip went. And there was a knock at the door. They go run into the door with great anticipation, and all of her friends are standing there. And they say to Rhonda's parents, Is Rhonda here? Pastor EJ and his wife say, Is Rhonda here? Rhonda's with you. She went to Europe with you. What are you talking about? they said well we lost each other in Europe we we got we got disconnected and we couldn't find her and when we came to the day where we were supposed to leave she wasn't on our flight and we assumed she caught an earlier flight and came home early and we just wanted to see what happened to her and so they were obviously panic stricken they started praying and fasting and they rallied their church together and their family and friends to pray for her and they they wanted to gather all their money together and fly to Europe and find her but where do you start where do you fly to in another continent on the other side of the world to try to find her and there wasn't the ability to call her there wasn't the ability to send her an email or a text and just say hey where are you at can you just let us know you're okay and they could not figure out what to do and so one more week passed, week four now since she departed and week five and week six they're praying and fasting and trusting god they had prayer vigils at their church everybody they know that calls on the name of jesus christ i mean they're asking them to pray they have fasted now and week six and seven and eight still no word week nine ten eleven they, they don't know what to do at this point they've started to maybe lose a little hope but they are trusting and believing God to bring Rhonda home they come to the end of the 12th week after Rhonda had left for Europe and one night pastor EJ just goes to the church he's prayed all the prayers he knows how to pray he's cried all the tears he knows how to cry and He comes down to the altar and he kneels down and he prays the most simplistic fatherly prayer he knows how to pray. God, I don't know what to do. God, I I don't have any more words to say. I don't have any more prayers to pray. I don't know what to do. And he said, as clear as he had ever felt the spirit of God say anything to him, he felt in his soul, in his spirit, these words call Kentucky fried chicken in Barcelona, Spain. He thought that is the weirdest thing I've ever heard during prayer. Lord, I'm sorry I was distracted. Lord, help me to stay focused. I'm praying for my daughter. Maybe I'm hungry. Lord, I'm not, I'm sorry. And he just keeps praying. And he said he can't shake it. This was, there was no Google, sir. He couldn't Google map this to figure out if there even was a Kentucky fried chicken in Barcelona, Spain. This was before many of the globalization efforts of all these corporations. And he didn't even know what, and so he just kept praying and kept praying. He could not shake it. And so he gets up from the church, he locks up, he goes back to his house and he picks up the handset from the rotary phone in his kitchen. Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. This little crinkly cord, he pulls it as far as he can. He he rolls the zero all the way around and it goes back. And he listens to a voice of an operator come on the line and he said, I need to make an international phone call. The operator says, okay, who do you want to call? He says, I want to call the Kentucky Fried Chicken in Barcelona, Spain. She says, okay, what's the phone number? He said, I, I don't know. She said, okay, well, what's the address? He said, I, I don't know. She could have hung up, but she didn't. She said, give me just a minute. She puts him on hold. He said he waited for what felt like an hour. Eventually, she comes back on and she says, hold, please. He hears a click and it starts ringing. It rings for just a couple of seconds. And on the other end of the line, he hears an English speaking, Spanish accent type of voice. Says, Kentucky Fried Chicken, can I help you? The operator connects the call, says, you have a person to person call from the United States guy says he would accept and this pastor this father says to a man in Barcelona, Spain at a Kentucky Fried Chicken he says I need to speak to Rhonda Reynolds and the man says okay hold on he says Rhonda Reynolds Rhonda Reynolds you have a phone call nobody responds Rhonda Reynolds you have a phone call he says I'm sorry there's no one here by that name he said can you check one more time So he takes his handset that's attached to the wall. He goes as far as he can to the front of the restaurant. He opens the door out of the front of the restaurant and he yells out into the sidewalk, Rhonda Reynolds, you have a phone call. And at that exact moment, that little girl is walking by that restaurant. and She says, I'm Rhonda Reynolds. He says, you have a phone call. She picks up the phone and she hears the sound of her father weeping on the other side of the world they get her some money. She comes back home, gives her life to Jesus Christ and serves the Lord the rest of the days of her life. And I know when I tell that story, there are some of you sitting here right now that are going, that ain't true. That ain't true. There's no way. You're telling me with a rotary phone, he called a place he didn't even know existed. And she just happened to be walking down the sidewalk on the other side of the world. There's no way that's true. And here's what I would ask of you. If the Holy Spirit is God and the Holy Spirit is personal and the Holy Spirit is eternal and the Holy Spirit is active, why can't it be true? And let me ask you another question, because I know as you sit there, you're like, well, my problem's not that big. My daughter's not on the other side of the world. My finances aren't in that big a shambles. My, my job need isn't really that large. I would say to you that the Holy Spirit is God and the Holy Spirit is personal and the Holy Spirit is eternal and the Holy Spirit is active. And today you can ask God for whatever you need and the helper, the advocate, the paraclete is available to help you with whatever it is that you're seeking from God today. He absolutely can. And I believe he absolutely wants to. And so the question that we come back to is, God, what is it that you want me to know about your spirit? Which one do I struggle with the most? The Holy Spirit is God. That the Holy Spirit is personal. That the Holy Spirit has this unique perspective. Or that the Holy Spirit is actually still active and desires to do something in and through my life. I'm gonna ask you right where you sit if you're watching online today just to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. Nobody's looking around just a personal moment of reflection between you and the Lord. If you would say to me, Jeremy, for me I recognize through the conviction of the Holy Spirit and being drawn to salvation that I'm a sinner in need of a savior that I need him to forgive me and be the Lord of my life if that's you today, would you just lift your hand right where you're at here in the room? You can put it right back down. Thank you so much. If you're watching online today, I encourage you to respond. Let us know that. Drop it in the chat. Maybe go to g.church slash connect and let us know you're making that decision today. And if you would say to me, Jeremy, for me, I, I just wanna know. I wanna know the spirit of God more. I wanna recognize the Holy Spirit as God as personal as eternal and as active in my life and i'm asking god in these next few days before we gather back together just to help me to know the spirit of god more if that's you would you just lift your hand right where you're at thank you so much thank you so much god we love you today and thank you so much for these moments i thank you for those that are in the room and those that are watching online those that are listening back at some point in the future God, I thank you for both of our services today, people that are making decisions to follow after you. They've pointed their arrow towards you and they're pursuing you to the very best of their ability to be more and more shaped into your image. And so God, today I pray for those who've acknowledged their need for you to be the forgiver of their sins and the Lord of their life. God, thank you. Thank you that you do that. Thank you that you're changing eternities right now, changing families, changing marriages for that decision that's being made. God, I pray now for those that lifted their hands just asking you to help them to be more aware of your spirit, to recognize the truth of who the Holy Spirit is in their life. And God, I pray that these next seven days until we come back together, that they would have a greater understanding of who you are and the expression of your spirit that's at work in their life. God, when we gather back together, help us to let go and to hold on to some new things about the Holy Spirit in us.